This episode of What Suits Him Radio is brought to you, as always, by the new and improved whatsuitshim.com. We here, man. If you haven't visited the website in a little while, go right now and check out the new everything. Um, this paint job can't complete with a revamp. So, quick tangent. I'm not going to do the ass too long because um, I want to get to what I want to get to, but I'm really proud of how the new logos look. I'm sure you all are seeing the radio logo right now as you look at um I guess the, the, the front page of, of the, the podcast, whatever. You know what I'm saying. What I'm getting at is I'm really proud of how the logo looks. Um, I hope y'all like it too. I hope y'all like the revamp. I've been getting good feedback on it. I'm actually very happy at how it turned out and how it looks. I hope y'all like it too. Go check out the new website. Easier access to all our features via the new paperclips page. That's on the website. I also have linked to it on the Instagram. You can get to everything from there, from our features, uh, Rihanna's writing, William's writing, the consulting work uh, where we put our playlist. Everything is literally available on the paperclips page. Go check that out. And no drum roll, but there will be some new essays next week. I swear, my fingers still work. Rihanna has told me her fingers still work. I am not just a podcast host. I do not just write for others, and I will show you. Hi. Next week, I pinky promise, whatsuitshim.com. Check it out one more time, whatsuitshim.com. But speaking of writing for others, Whatsuitshim Radio was also brought to you by Whatsuitshim Consulting, your friendly neighborhood copywriting and copy editing service. Uh, you never know when that next great opportunity will pop up, so always keep your documents up to date. And let us help. Cover letters, resumes, personal statements, and more. Uh application essays um if you're trying to get a scholarship uh if you want your linkedin done um just hit us up man you can find our updating pricing menu on our social media that's at what's who's him consulting on the twitter um just what's who's him um on instagram and follow them for updates on an upcoming summer sale it's on the way tap in today what's backslash consulting again what's backslash consulting you have any questions uh you want to figure out if um we offer a service that you don't necessarily see on the pricing menu. Email us, consulting at Um, But that link is also available uh, at whatsusim.com backslash consulting. So head over to the website. Let us know what you need. One more time, whatsusim.com backslash consulting. So, yeah, coming up after Willie Mac, I'm super excited to announce one of my radio projects for the summer and getting a part one of the series, actually. Um, y'all know where y'all love her. Miss Rhonda Morgan is... Uh, the first edition of this project, but uh, we'll get into that. I'm also going to do a few minutes on the finals. I'll keep it brief. I swear if y'all don't want to hear it, I will like timestamp it. So y'all can go ahead and jump right to the, um, the project I'll be getting into, but I'm like, so I'll get into it. Uh, really mad. Yeah. I'm Detroit song savior, Detroit song plug, Detroit song future, Detroit song love. I'm Detroit song. Yeah. I'm Detroit song. Yeah, and I never asked for my heart. All right, y'all. Welcome back to West Houston Radio. Again, after another long hiatus, I swear there will be at least one a week. Even if I'm not talking directly about something that's not dealing with the project I'll get into in a little bit, there will be one a week this summer. So, hey, we here. Um, like I said, I'm going to keep this fairly brief. Um, I don't want to ramble on too long because trying to keep these episodes at an hour for y'all convenience. Um yeah, like I said, if y'all don't want to hear any basketball talk, just go ahead and click the timestamp and y'all will hear about the project that I'm doing this summer. But just real quick, um, I had to – because the other day – I was actually going to uh, record something the other day after we lost game four and couldn't bring myself to do it. I, I, I literally was laying in my bed. I had the microphone in my hand. I was about to start talking about something. I don't know. I was just – I got sleepy, and it might have been a convenient sleepy because I was annoyed. 
whatever. I just put it on. And thankfully, so I mean, not thankfully, so shout out to Kev. I'm so sorry, bro. Um, I was, I ain't gonna say I like really thought you was milking it, but it did seem inconvenient that you were out for so long. And I, I'm starting to believe all the conspiracies are out there that like you weren't ready. I think like everybody within the organization was, you know what I'm saying, on the same page, but I think we didn't know. Um, and so. I guess like when when there's when we don't know we just like make shit up, so I yeah I I feel bad. You were clearly hurt. You knew clearly weren't ready. He a, a simple crossover and you tear your shit like that's that hurt my heart because I saw it happen real time. And the second he went down, I was like, yo, he went down the exact same way. It's like the exact like it was the same thing. It, whatever. Um. But yeah, like silver lining in a very crappy moment is we needed all of his points because we won that game by one point. And now we get to go back to Oracle and get a game six play game, which is a thing. Those things are real because it's a pattern now. Where are we on this this time of this would be game four claims little like Clay's fourth game six. We here. So I believe in that one. So get that game. And then in a game seven, anything goes, bro. Last game seven we got it was 89-89 for a kajillion minutes, and then uh, Kyrie made a three, and then the game was over. So, yeah, like these things happen. Uh, so I'm excited about our prospects. I don't know if we'll win game seven. I'm not even going to call that, but I know we win in game six, and that's thanks to one Kevin Durant. So we got to get this ring for you, boy. Uh, let's go do it. Um, yeah, that's all I got. I, I, was, I was way madder the other day, and so that would have been a way longer rant. But I'm just devastated about Kevin. I wish we would stop wanting to be right about things on social media so much. Because so many people, like the minute it went, the minute it went down, so many people were like, "Somebody has to go." Like somebody has to go down for this. You know what I mean? Kevin clearly isn't mad, bro. He was. I mean, I'm sure he's upset that he's his season is done. But in so much as like, who was he pointing fingers at? Like, if he wanted somebody to go down, we know by now. It's been 48 hours. Come on, guys. Like, just, just, we don't have to be detectives about everything. You know what I mean? Or, like, vigilantes. or Because that we be in such a rush to, like, like shit on people. Like, come on. I mean, I'm going I'm to I'm chill. I'm going to chill. This is turning into a rant about the, a thing I hate. But I just don't get it, man. We don't know these people. Like, Kevin DeVrant does not need your help. He doesn't. I'm sure. He's fine. So, while I'm sure he appreciates the well wishes, he is not about to sue the Warriors for malpractice, guys. Come on. Anyways, um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I actually had a basketball pod loaded up that I did with Keenan and Cam a couple weeks ago, and sound quality wasn't that great. And by the time I got the sound quality to be decent, it was dated. So hopefully I'll get to link up with them in a few weeks and we get to do one in person. That way I can ensure the sound quality is good. Um and we can recap the season. But, yeah, I'm just excited, man. Like, this is turning into a classic series. Um, and, I mean, if a series ends in five, I guess say for, like, maybe the Pistons-Lakers series, and it's not a classic for the Lakers. And <laughs> um, the first Durant title against the Cavs, now, I, I would call that a classic because the basketball was great and that Cleveland team was really good, but they just ran into a buzzsaw. Um yeah, I feel like your series has to go six for it to be a classic, and preferably seven. 
but you can't call a five gamer a classic because uh, kind of one sided, don't you think? So, yeah, shout out to my boys for going in the for going to Toronto and getting two dog. Like we gotta win a game at the crib. We cannot let them win three games to win a series at. at Oracle, come on, man! You can't do that. Not not the last year of Oracle. That's really gonna make moving to Chase feel real cheap. No, no shade. I'm not even from there. I've, I've been. I I got to go to Oracle one time, and it was a great experience. But you can't like for the people for the people who will not be able to go to Chase. You gotta win this title, bro. You have to. You cannot lose three straight games for the for the championship on your floor. Nope, can't do it. Um, so yeah, let's make that happen. Um, that's all I got. So. Um, looking forward to game seven, looking forward to the draft, looking forward to where's AD going to be, which is Los Angeles. I will still write about that. But when, after it goes down, I will take my victory lap. Um, so yeah, going to take a quick break and then, uh, get into the project that we're doing this summer on West Who's Him Radio. Be right back. If you're looking to get your small business off the ground, tap in with Arena Solutions. Arena Solutions is a marketing agency headed by friend of the project, Blake Hall offering services in marketing, promotions, brand development, graphic design, brand identity, and content coordination. Blake has partially been responsible for a good deal of the marketing materials we've created for West Houston Consulting. I haven't worked alongside of him on a project, and just knowing him over the years, I recommend him with no reservations. Book them today. His services are filling up fast. Get more info at the agency's Instagram, arena underscore solutions. Again, that's arena, A-R-E-N-A underscore solutions or email arenasolution7 at gmail.com. Again, that's arenasolution7 at gmail.com. All right, boom. So a couple weeks ago, uh, I was heading into work, um, and a song, I'm not going to say what song the album's off of or the name of the song, because it actually might be what I end up choosing uh, for my part of this project if I do decide to participate, my, decide to participate myself. Um, but, yeah, song off that album came on. And it took me back to the summer I graduated from high school, which is 2010, right? So I'm like, okay, this song is nine years old. That's crazy. And then it hit me that it's been 10 years, damn, since the song came out. And I'm like, yo, wow. I mean, my first thought was that's incredible that, I I mean, I think about this sometimes about songs that came out in like 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, because even those songs are semi-old now. Um but yeah, that song came out literally in 2010. So I'm like, oh, like literally 2020 is in six months. <laughs> um, and so I know folks are like starting to, I guess, consider, or it, I don't even know if I'm starting to consider it because I don't know how you do like decade retrospectives for real. Um, how do you necessarily summarize your favorite thing or things of a 10 year span, right? And so, um, yeah, I I decided to try to do it in a way. I was like, hey, this is... And then, I mean, the song was part of, I think, an album which has a very great scheme. Shout out to whoever a and that. Like, that, 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 the, the, the palette, like, the color palette of that album is gorgeous. And if I end up doing it, and y'all remember me saying this, y'all are going to be like, really, that album? And, like, think about it. Like, if you hear it, like, once you, once you, once you hear me say it, listen to it, and then you'll agree. Um, but, yeah, I was like, hmm... How like how would I go about I guess detailing like what my favorite albums of the decade are, and yeah, first I thought I thought to do it myself, and then I was like, yeah, um, 
I, I think I got pretty good music taste. It's been slandered a time or two uh, here or there. But whatever. Not everybody likes the same music. Um, and that's when it hit me that because we all have such eclectic musical taste, why not expand it to some friends of mine? And so, yeah, I, re- I figured I'd reach out to a few people, see if they like to do it. And so here we are, the albums of the decade, uh, What's Who's Him Radio, 10 interviews, 10 weeks to start. We're going to run them uh, starting today, June 13th, and go through the month of August. So hit up 10 of my friends. They are going to detail to you their favorite albums. We came up with a list of questions that you'll hear in the first interview with Miss Rhonda Morgan. Uh, shout out to her. She's my guinea pig for this, as she <laughs> tends to be for all of my harebrained ideas. So... Yeah, man. We're going to see how this goes. Hopefully it goes good enough that we can do a few more. I might jump in here or there. Uh, We will see. I don't necessarily know. But um, I really wanted to get some of my friends on the project, let them try to, I guess, detail what makes these albums so special to them, why it resonated with them so much. And it could be what they feel like is the best. It could be like what they feel like is their favorite. It's it's really on them. I, I, I left it open-ended for a reason. And I'm sure that in these interviews, we'll get into why they felt it was the best or why they felt it was their favorite or why I felt like it was both. But I, I really enjoyed their musical taste. I've kicked it with all these people on um, some music stuff in the past. And so, yeah, I think you'll really enjoy hearing their perspectives. On their favorite tunes from uh these past well, from of these past ten years, so um yeah, going up every Thursday uh from now until the end of August, guys. So yeah, let's see how these first few go. Uh, part one, the consigliere, uh, our entertainment critic, Miss Ryan Morgan. All right, Ryan is here, everybody. Hey. Hey. All right, you are part one of the albums of the decade project. How do you feel? I'm excited about this, especially because of the album that I picked. Really glad to be talking about it. Hey, yeah, you, um, I'm actually kind of mad that, um, I didn't know that you were going to pick this one because the second you said it, I was like, duh. Um, that's kind of how it came to me too. Like, I can't remember if I was listening to, I don't know what I was doing, but I, I feel like I had just listened to one of the songs and I was like, wow, duh, this is obviously the album. Yeah, I mean, straight up. I mean, because I guess I can, I don't know if I'm going to do like the little background thing before I, well, I probably should, but yeah, like I was listening to, I guess what might be my album of the year, I don't want to say it out loud, and I was like, yo, it's summer 2019, like the decade's over. Yeah, And when you next said year. Album, I was like, I mean, I'll just be thinking about songs that came out, Um, this ain't got nothing to do with nothing we're going to talk about later on, but every time I hear Do It Like, do it, uh, do it like You by Diggy and Jeremiah. I'm like, oh, this is my shit. That's all came out like the end of 2012, I want to say. Ooh. I'm like, yo, okay. Um, all these albums is old, man. Like, Sean been out for a while now. Like, Sean's a vet. I remember I used to think, look at people who've been out 10 years. Like, dang, you've been out for a while. I can say the same thing. He I like, um, right he now. like Thug Nipsey. He's like, my first story just came out four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. I feel like. Can I add a drum roll in here? I'm gonna add a drum roll. Okay. So, Brian, what is your album of the decade? 
My album of the decade is Good Kid, Mad City by Kendrick The
I got through one listen, and I was like, all right, I'm listen to it when I go to sleep. For some reason, I I have, but that's, that's kind of my relationship with that album. That and funny enough, Dreams and Nightmares by Meek are the two albums I like would listen to as I was like walking around London. So like those two albums, I always gonna have a, like peace in my heart because they was my like just like mobbing music. When I ain't had shit to do on Saturdays, I would be like, let me go to the mall. Let me go to like whatever it's called over there. I would turn that shit on and walk three miles to the mall. Or walk to Chipotle and give me a chicken bowl with a Corona because they sell Coronas and they Chipotle's over there. Hey. Um, I think I think my first memory was just listening to it at home because mm-hmm. I remember deliberately thinking I need to listen to this album, so I downloaded it or whatever, and I listened to it at home in my room, and I was like, okay, this is it. Again, I don't know why it takes me so long. So it wasn't until like. Maybe I mean, November that I listened to it. That's it. something I appreciate about you. I ain't gonna hold you, but you said I was. You just contrary when it comes to music, and that's something I appreciate you, appreciate about you. I ain't gonna hold you, but you are. I don't know. I see it as being like hypercritical, but I don't know. I haven't explored that in depth to know why I'm like that, but um, yeah, that so, was my first I mean, memory you know, for sure. So when you listened to it the first time, were you like? I mean, you said like this is it, but like, were you like, I'm gonna be banging this for the foreseeable future? Was it like? Um, yeah, kind of, because I had already been listening to listening to his other stuff. So it just kind of fell into rotation with the other stuff that he had already released that I was regularly listening to listening to up to that point. So it just kind of became a natural part of my library. And it wasn't until you asked me to pick this album that I was like, wow, it's remained there for the past. When did it come out? For the past seven years. Yeah, 2012. So, yeah. Um. So, so I guess if you could like broadly define why it's your favorite album of the decade. Um, why is it my favorite album? I think because it it tells a consistent story. It tells a real life story about his life. The mm-hmm. the little um, end of track like skits are really well executed. I feel like um, the songs are just really good. Like. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. It's Kendrick. That's how I feel. Yeah. Now, two more albums later, I just feel like it's Kendrick. It was bound to be good. I remember that year for the Grammys, he got snubbed for best rookie of the year or best rap album yeah, or something uh, like that by Macklemore. Something like that. Of all people in the world, and I'm like, okay. And that's when I knew, I'm like, this is an album that is destined to be great because I feel like they don't do stuff like that if it's not good. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like, they don't snub you if it's not that good. <laughs> right? But I you mean, gotta be that, almost that's perfect to get snubbed. Like, Beyonce right. gets snubbed at the Grammys. How are you snubbing Beyonce? Well, I mean, everybody gets snubbed. I remember, um, is that, like, that famous, that famous gif of um, Cole clapping for whoever won Best New Artist over him, and he clearly ain't fucking with it, but he's like, y'all not gonna catch me slipping. So he he's definitely, he mugging while he's clapping, but he's like, he's also like, I deserve that fucking award. Seriously. So, I don't know. that. I think that fueled the fire for me, too. Like, you know, how he tells a story of a black kid growing up in the hood, his influences, what his friends was like. What his, you get so much insight to who Kendrick is through that album. You know what I'm saying? You get his friends. You get his family. You get fatal decisions that he may have made that ended up working out in the end. Like, you just get so much of his story in that one album that even if he hadn't released Section 80 and um, his mixtape before that, I feel like you still would know so much about him just listening to that. Yep. Uh, 
Wikipedia has it down. Build is a Build is a short film by Kendrick Lamar on the album cover. The concept album, we can talk about concept albums too, but the concept album follows the story of Lamar's teenage experiences in the drug-infested streets and gang lifestyle of his native Compton. The album received widespread acclaim from critics, which praised his thematic scope in Lamar's lyrics. It, it earned Lamar four Grammy nominations at the 56 Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year. He didn't win any of them, obviously. Um, it debuted That's at number awful. two on How the Billboard 200. How did that sound? He didn't win any of them. I, that's, I mean, that's the Grammys, man. Like, I, um, this ain't got, this really ain't got nothing to do with that. I might cut this out, but like, uh, they, they, I feel like they did this whole thing. The Grammys knows what it's doing. And I feel like it gets this, well, it's, it's getting this like increased sort of love for being more inclusive than the Oscars or whatever. But inclusion in nominations doesn't mean anything if it's still losing the awards. You know what I mean? Like, they did this whole thing last year about billing. I, I really do feel like they 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 tried to make it a billing of, of Jay-Z against Kendrick for who was going to win all these awards. And then none of them won. Even, like, Hov went 0 for 8, and Kendrick went, like, 1 for 7. It was exactly. Like, like what's what the point of that? You could just let me out all the white people. I don't give a fuck that we got nominated. We, we got nominated because we built the culture. Like, everybody is chasing what black people are doing, so they need to win the awards by default. You give an awards to people who quite literally are copying the people who you're not awarding. What sense would that make? But that's that's a rant that I, that was not. But that's how it was built in the first place. That's a whole other conversation. Um, yeah, Billboard 200. That's going to be a theme that I keep coming back to on here. It debuted at number two, which is insane. Wow. It sold two hundred forty-two thousand copies in its first week, and I feel like this was definitely at a time where albums weren't selling like that no more. So for it to, for it to debut at number two with 240,000 copies back in an era where, like, if you sold 75,000 copies, you was getting the number one. It's like, okay. So it's been certified triple platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America, the RIAA, as people commonly know it. Um, as of April 2018, the album has sold 1.7 copies domestically. The singles... The Recipe, which is my favorite. Swimming Pools, which I want to talk to you about. Backseat Freestyle, which I forgot was a single. That video is iconic. Uh, Poetic Justice, which I also want to talk to you about. And Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, which I didn't know was a single. Shout out to Ho for the remix. Um, yeah, so... Um, you didn't know Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe was a single? What? Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe? I guess. I remember... Um, Jay Z did the remix, but I didn't know he. I didn't know he like classified it as an actual single. Yeah, that was out on the radio before the remix for Jay Z. Mm. Well, shows I wasn't paying attention. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it didn't really hit like let's say Poetic Justice did, but it was on the radio though. Hmm. But that's the thing. So okay, I don't. Uh, I'll, I'll say that for later because I don't want to talk about Poetic Justice before we can talk about Poetic Justice. But um. Him and Drake's relationship nowadays is is curious. Uh, Whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, so I we can do this hand in hand. Uh, your best three to five song stretch on the album and your favorite song on the album. If it's in that stretch or if you want to. Okay. I got. Well, I know I got a stretch. I think I know what it is, too. I want to see, see if you can say it. But... It's kind of obvious. Um. So it starts at Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, which is track number two. Okay. So it includes Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. Uh, backseat freestyle, the art of peer pressure, money trees, poetic justice, and good kid. No mad city. I thought she was gonna start a good kid and then go through uh, to the bottom. Go through real, yeah. That's interesting. No, 
Because I was no. thinking about, so I'm, I, um, damn, I'm like losing my format already. But I guess we can bounce around. It really ain't that deep. Um, I guess I listened to it the other day when we were supposed to record it. And um, I guess like my gripe with this album has always sort of been that I lose interest around, like after Poetic Justice, I kind of like lose interest. Because that's when it gets real depressed, depressing. And I'm like, yeah. Dang. So, I agree. Um, They're still good songs, but they just go a little bit deeper. Because Swimming Pools is, is quite honestly like one of my least favorite Kendrick songs ever. I, I don't particularly like that song. Um, and it's cool. I mean, it's Kendrick, so it's like, even if me saying I don't like it is me saying like, well, before this new Kanye saying I don't like Kanye, it's like it's a B plus. <laughs> but um, yeah, like like I didn't I didn't quite get why Swimming Pools was like the song everybody liked. And then it was like the top forty song. So in my mind, I was like, "Well, why um, people just like it?" So I, I get know. why it was a popular song, like why it blew up. Because it's talking about drinking. Period. That's that's what people do. But that's that's people that's, like that's, the, that's the ironic part is like it's a song about drinking, but the message is like you doing too much. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of his music is like that, which is so ironic to me too. And I think that's why I like his work too, because it gets you like for me. Obviously, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about what he's saying. I'm listening to the lyrics. But, like, a lot of people don't do that when they listen to music. It's a form of entertainment. So they're just looking to be, if you make good music, it's going to be hot, regardless of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, yeah. white people really don't think no deeper. They just listen to the lyrics. That's not the, the, the point of a top. But that's the thing about, um, so um, I, I guess we can have this conversation about Kendrick, too. I guess Kendrick, in my head, and with my biases fully acknowledged. I guess he's like the most um, obvious heir to Lupe Fiasco as a lyricist. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree um, with that. And so that's why I kind of want to talk to you about the concept album idea. Is because, so Lupe famously did, um, well, I don't, Food and Liquor wasn't supposed to be a concept album, but the cool was. Mm-hmm. Um, Built up, built around a character that he created in Food and Liquor, um, and I was excited to see that like Kendrick was gonna like take a theme and run with it for the whole album. His was that his is more of a concept album than Cool is, um, but I, I I do wonder how much because I feel like the word the 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 notion of the concept album has been thrown around so much by all these rappers and none of them really do it. Um, I think this was. A, I think that's like an obvious label to put on Get Good Kid, Mad City because, I mean, it is a concept album, but it was easy for him to make because I'm not making up a character. This is just my this life. Is my life, yeah. Toast, you know, strategically or whatever, and then you could put that label on it after the fact. Like, oh yeah, that's a concept album because he's telling a story. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that so Kendrick clearly has like established himself as. Well, I, I, sh- I should be careful with how I phrase this because all of this is sort of a white validation that like isn't required for the album to be any good. But he's established himself as a sort of like poet that other rappers don't necessarily get respected as. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a, I use this very lightly, but it's kind of like a Tupac effect a little bit. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, not his, you know, because he made two distinctly different styles of music, I feel like. But it's kind of that Tupac effect where it's kind of like, well, is this rap or is it poetry? And then I, I agree with you that it kind of puts like a white tinge on the evaluation of the album, too, because it's like, for us, obviously, we know that it's all the same. But 
Um, as far as how people view him in mass culture, yes, it's more like a poet. Yeah. I mean, damn, just won a what Pulitzer, whatever it was. Like that's insane. That yeah, was it did. Award. You know what I mean? Like, that's, it, that's, it did, I mean, and it talked about which is crazy to me because it is he speaks. He's speaking only to black people in that album about being black, about you know what I'm saying. So it's, I don't know. That was very peculiar to me that I want to pull it there. I'm glad that it did, but it's just like, hmm. I mean, it's performative wokeness, bro. It's like this idea that yeah, I yeah, that's a good way to put it. You know what I mean? It's, it's straight up just like this. It's, it's it's white people trying to pretend like they get it. It's like y'all understand, I right? Mean, I see what you did. And it's like because he so explicitly laid it out on damn oh well we gotta abort this and it's like okay well he's not talking about nothing that he hasn't really been talking about it's just a little bit more uncoded in this album right okay so but anyway so you, you went so back to the, the question i suppose you went um, from bitch don't kill my vibe through poetic justice uh so favorite the, song is money trees money trees correct answer ding 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 <laughs> uh okay i, I want to start from the top real quick because Okay, so it starts with the prayer. Um, mm-hmm. that it, or Lord God. Sort of ends with to it. And so sing about me about the Thursday ends with the prayer too. Um, and it jumps into the story or it starts jumps to the narrative, which is actually the middle of the story because that's him being mm-hmm. jumped by his girlfriend's brothers or cousins or. Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah. Right. Um, Man, that beat is hypnotizing. And every time, so that that was my first thought when I listened to when, I, when the album came on the other day was, this like this is the best intro. I I can't say ever because I haven't listened to that much rap, just all things considered. But like that beat, I just think it's every so every time. Like it just sucks yes, you in. Yes, it right? does. It catches you off guard no matter how many times you listen to it. Also, I think the track, the naming of the track is very clever. So, do, uh, can can you explain that? Because I still don't know why it's called Master Splinter's Daughter. I don't quite. Get she it. right. <laughs> you right. That's it. Okay. Boom. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I had written down. I was like, I don't quite, I, I to this day do not know why it's called Master. And I could have probably went on Genius and it would have been there, but. I right, yeah, it. true. Um, yeah, that song is incredible. And um, I don't, like, so, all right, so his, his parents clearly don't like Shireen. And it's justified, obviously. Um, right. But I'm saying, like, she clearly wasn't setting him, was, was that the first time he was going to go hit? I feel like. They had been kicking it all summer. What are they just talking on the phone? Yeah, like, she, I mean, she didn't just set him up off the initial. She was planning to set him up. Okay. Definitely. I feel like that was always her intention, but maybe not. But, I, I mean, she's she spit the good game to that nigga at the party. Exactly. I love that line. Hello, my name is Kendrick. She said, no, you're handsome. I was like, ooh, he in there. <laughs> and then he's not in there. No, he is not, in fact, in there. He is not. So from there goes the bitch don't kill my vibe. I am a sinner who's probably gonna sin again. Lord forgive me. Lord forgive me. 
Things I don't understand Sometimes I need to be alone Bitch don't kill my vibe Bitch don't kill my vibe I can feel your energy from two planets away I got my drink, I got my music I will share it, but today I'm feeling Bitch don't kill my vibe 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 Look inside of my soul and you can find gold and maybe get rich. Hold up, Trinidad James in four weeks, but now my album platinum and shit. So what? Y'all keep the numbers. I'm more than another statistic, my nigga. This courtesy of Compton. It's obviously a perfect song. I don't know why Jay Z felt like it was okay to do what he did to that hey, song. Man, but that's okay. Hey, man, I love that verse. I mean, we don't have remix, to talk man. about it. It's a remix. I don't, it's a you remix. don't have to remix everything. Uh, but Especially, I mean, it's like I, tell, I talk to William about this like, every I don't time want I Jay-Z hear it. To do a remix of my song, no, I mean? that's I mean, yeah, I get that, like obviously. But I talk, I tell William this all the time, like how can you put a verse on a song that is already perfect? You can't, like it just sounds out of place. It sounds like you just put this here. In Ho's defense, because I have to do this, I don't have to do this, but I'm going to do this. So my gripe with remixes in this millennium really is like I miss the I miss the days when a remix got a fresh beat and fresh verses. At least Kendrick Thank like you. so I didn't mind the remix only because Kendrick had new verses too. If it was like Jay Z overlaying a verse over the original bitch don't kill my vibe, I would have felt to it. Yeah, that's but true. I do agree with Kendrick that. It like, get a new I'm verse. also gonna like make it a sort of new myself. You know what I mean? I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that too, but just leave it alone. Just don't do this, please. Anyway, from there we go to backseat freestyle, which is obviously great. Kendrick gives us a very, um, like a a really tight, tight like a Taija verse. That beat smacked me in the face the first time I heard it. I wasn't yeah, the beat goes crazy. The beat really does make that track. That's another one that I'm, I feel like it's almost perfect. Like, it's such a good song. Yeah, I, I, so my favorite part, and again, it's like the, the, the fact he turned this into a movie. Um, I would still love for this to be a movie. Um, I'm imagining, because so me and, shout out to TCG, we used to do this shit. Like, I used to keep instrumentals on my, on my phone so we could, like, have freestyle battles in the car. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm imagining, like, um, the homies come scoop Kendrick and they like you got your flows ready nigga I'm about to put, put the freestyle tape in and then they put the freestyle yes. tape in and now like he, he the rapper in the group so he gotta snap and like he will snap it like he lost his fucking mind on that thing and I think too as a side note I, I like that you said that because I feel like because Kendrick is closer to us in age it's more than just it's like a child it's like a album that reflects how we grew up like mm-hmm. we might not have grew up robbing people and this and that, but we grew up in a large black city. We know what it's like to live here. We know what it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's black people to live a certain kind of way. And we share that same generation with him. So even when he's talking about um, that Jeezy song, what that Jeezy song say, like we can directly relate to that because yeah. we were also saying the exact same thing. Like, I think for us is, I think, yeah, I think for us is more than just culturally, it's generationally relevant. And I think mm-hmm. that's what also, for me, makes it a the best album of the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I didn't even think about that um, angle to it. Just the idea that he is 
I mean, even even if he is a few years older than us, he's still of the generation of like niggas used to like have like I mean, I hate to like delineate it so I guess broadly, but at the same time, like he's of a generation of people who like parents used to kick them out the house and they had to like go make fun with their friends. You know, you yep. know what I mean? Same. Like my mom would be like, Okay, yep. I don't wanna see you know what I'm saying? Like I'm not cooking today, you on your own. Yeah. And you out there with your friends and you mugging. Right. Basically. Yeah, I love that song. Um Art of Peer Pressure. I just don't understand and I don't understand, but um man that first minute six is gorgeous. Drink until I can't Really I'm a sober soul. I I mean the B flip is cool and I mean it furthers the story, but like I just kinda Yeah, wish I do wish the first part of the song was the whole song. Yeah. Or not the, it don't gotta be the whole song, but I wish it was like a longer. little bit longer and its own sort of deal. I agree. Cause I love, I love, I love how jazzy it is. It, it almost fits better on um, "To Pimp a Butterfly" if you think about it. Just how jazzy it is. It does. I agree with that. There's another song on here that I said that about. I can't think of what it is right now. But there was another song I was like, "This actually," or maybe I was listening to Section Eighty and I said that about a track like this actually belongs on um, "To Pimp a Butterfly," mm-hmm. which I think is another reason. Why is the best album of the last 10 years? Because as he grew as an artist, you could go back to some of his older works and still be like, oh, wow, I can pick this song off of, this, off of Section 80 and put it on Damn and it'll fit in perfectly. You know what I'm saying? So his music transcends across the years. So you had Art of Peer Pressure. I mean, I like the story. I just kind of... I mean, it's not for me to, to judge. I mean, he has a line on Mad City about... Um, would we believe him if he told us that he killed somebody? And my answer to that question has always been no. But no, because he's not that kind of guy. But I'm saying, I mean, I don't, I don't take for granted that the art of peer pressure is a true story about him almost like getting flicked while trying to like rob a nigga. <laughs> like oh probably, yeah, definitely, totally. I think that is true. Yes. Um. So yeah, that, that story. I mean, it, it definitely. I, I don't. I wouldn't call it. Filler. Nothing Kendrick does is filler, but it's definitely just to, I guess, further along the narrative. Black and Gold is an empowerment lifestyle brand and community movement created for us by us. A percentage of each sale goes back to the community through scholarships, black business partnerships, and service. Time to level up and get gold. Shout out to friend of the project and co-creator of Black and Gold, Cam White. And y'all go check out what they've got going on on their website at www.blackandgold.com. That's gold with an A, so G-O-A-L-D, www.blackandgold.com. One more time, www.blackandgold.com. And then Money Trees. Right, true. Money Trees is by far the best album, I mean the best song on the album. That's the one. But J-Rock, for me, like people be like, oh, such and such is a feature king, such and such is future and Drake. No. If you are a true to me, if you are a true rap fan, then you know that J Rock is bodies. Don't miss them stockings, liquor spilling, pistols popping, bacon, soda, yola whipping. Ain't no turkey on Thanksgiving. My homeboy just domed a nigga. I just hope the Lord forgive him. Pots with cocaine residue. I mean, yeah, I, I, I want you to talk about rock because 
I so I, I wrote about when last year. I need to finish that list. Oh yeah, you did. Um, my, yeah, like I was happy for Rock mostly because, I mean, he lost his mind on there, obviously, and then. I just have always wondered, and I mean, you're not going to handle your brothers, obviously, but, like, Kendrick, like, Kendrick didn't only lap him, but he lapped him and then, like, ran around, ran backwards around the track and then lapped him two more times, like, in, in terms of celebrity. And I'm sure, I don't yeah, know if Rock definitely. wanted that, but I'm sure he wanted to be famous. So to think that you were the first one out, but you almost had to be, like, the guinea pig for everybody else to make it. Yeah, and I think, I don't know them, but I'm just thinking that maybe he took that in stride as far as being like, okay, somebody has to sacrifice in order for Kendrick to make it. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm that guy, I mean, J-Rock is clearly writing for them. He's the one, you know what I'm saying, with the, the initial talent of their uh, of TDE, then I think, you know, he kind of, I guess I could see him resolving it in that way. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it never manifested in any negative ways. Like I said, I'm sure he's happy for for him right. and Q. And so, I mean, I'm, I, I still think Rock is higher than Soul on the totem pole, but I'm sure he's happy for Q and, and Kendrick. But I, at the same time, it's like, it's got to be a big brother feeling. That, man, I was first. <laughs> like, right, definitely. I gotta, I'm, I'm and they, I think they know, I mean, they obviously know that too. Oh, yeah, of, of so. course, of course. Um, my favorite, I, mean, I didn't even think to write this down, but uh, was the heart part three? I think it was part three. Beef Vanessa from Double XL that told him press play. And there goes my fate, now I'm on the stage with Snoop. Gave me the torch and I ran with it in high pursuit. Rap with my forefathers, even wreck it with God got two. Lyricists of the year, fuck am I supposed to do? Rock. Laughing at you niggas out there who thought we was flutes. Exaggerated shit, we rapped, had came true. Thought I was aggravated, but one had let me loose. I was honored, see they was haunted when Mike Jones didn't recoup. Came out. Oh, mine is definitely part two. Definitely by far um, part two. I think part three came out a day or two before Good Kid Mad City dropped. And it's essentially just like the coming, like how, essentially how TDE came together. Yeah, I mean, they do a really good job of explaining how, like, Rock basically paid away. And it's not necessarily his fault that, it's not necessarily Rock's fault that he didn't make it. Like, right. The label screwed him around and, um, I mean, the music industry is a lot of shit that happens outside of your control that might fuck up your money. And so, um, I think like they, I think they do a pretty good job of of recognizing that, like, even though Kendrick's the one that made it, it's just because he got the luckiest, not because he's like necessarily the most talented or anything. Yeah, and I think after so long, they're like, okay, we can put all of our resources into this because this is our best bet. And then, poetic justice, which. I really hope you play this Cause oh girl you test my patience With all these seductive photographs And all these one off vacations You've been taking Clearly a lot for me to take in It don't make sense Young East African I'm, I don't necessarily know if it's like it seems kind of gratuitous. Like, Kendrick and Drake had to make a song together, and so they did. You know what I mean? But I don't necessarily know. But I say that under, I say that also saying I like the song and that I'd never turn it off when it comes on. I just don't, I've just never, ever felt like they made a classic with that. It's just like a 
good song. Yeah, it's a good song. The sample is really good. It kind of, yeah, I like it. I mean, yeah, it's a cute little feature track. I don't know. You know how I feel about Drake. We don't have to talk about that. No, but, I mean, it's just curious thinking about, and I mean, I'll spend another 30 seconds on it. Like, I think Drake has really always felt to it. I think Drake's saltiness about Kendrick's ascension and whatever Tiff Kendrick and started with whatever he did or did not say on that Shine track is, I think Drake, because Drake gave Kendrick a whole interlude on what Take Care. And so I think Drake feels like Kendrick owes him a level of like, patronage because of that i could be wrong but i i really have always felt like that's the, the root of it is that drake really no really and that was kendrick the best on. thing drake could have did for that album was to give kendrick his own interlude first of all <laughs> so if anything he owes kendrick to me but i see what you're saying i also think too drake is um kendrick gets all of this respect as being a great rapper and a great lyricist and a poet drake is a pop star mm-hmm and when you are a rapper, you kind of want that respect for your art craft, for your form. But Drake doesn't get it on that front. But that's because Drake... So, I mean, to the point we made about swimming pools. Swimming pools, I think, peaked at 20 on the on the billboard. Let me look real quick. Swimming pools peaked at 17 on the billboard high 100. Again, that's a song... While on the surface is a song about getting fucked up, the underlying message is like... You are an alcoholic. Relax. That that is that is the underlying message. So, Kendrick makes pop songs while not trying to make pop songs. Where it seems like every when Drake's trying to make a rap song, you can tell. You know what I mean? Thank you. Exactly. So you trying I'm to sure tell like, this line between being a pop star and being a rapper, and you want this all this respect, and it shows with the push of T thing too. Like you want all this respect as a rapper, but you're not. But he, but that's, but I, I push back on that. This ain't, this ain't a Drake podcast, so we can move on. But that's, I, that's why I feel bad for him sometimes, because he, I mean, he brings it on to himself, like all the, the ribbing and the, the jokes and the memes, and I, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure he's in on the joke a lot of the time. But I do think the times he gets sensitive about it is because he wants to be all things to all people. And when he gets pigeonholed as one of those things, he's like, but wait, I still can rap too. And it's like, well, no, nah, nigga, you got ghostwriters and you make the pop songs. And it's like, but I can also rap, too. Like, don't think because I, like, enjoy using other people as a resource. I don't got my own bars. All right, I'm going to have to cut that down. Too. But, yeah, that's really a different conversation. Like a 10 minute Drake. <laughs> uh, and What's that's the my, next one? Um, Yeah, that's my opinions on poetic justice. Okay, weaknesses of that. I've already told you, like, I kind of fade out once it starts to get really sad but yeah it does and his music does tend to and that's why i like him also it's you know both but Mm -hmm. um he does tend to explore the deeper side of living that life growing up in the hood as a black boy so i mean it that if you're telling that story it inherently has to go deeper or sadder than you would like yeah. for a something that's supposed to be entertaining you, but I mean that's a part of good music. So yeah, no, I agree. I um, and I mean like I, I had I kind of had a not a full circle moment when I was listening to it the other day, but I definitely um had to rethink why I shied away from the second half of the album. Um, because it sonically is really good. Like Good Kid in the Mad City is really good. As much as I don't like swimming pools, it's a good beat. 
um, Sing About Me is just heartbreaking. It is. It is. When you make it big. And if I die before your album drop, I hope. Promise that you will sing about me. Promise that you will sing about me. I said when the light shut off, then it's my turn to settle down. I'm a concern. But it's so, it's so thoughtful in the way that you yeah. did the song, the way that it, you know, composed, um, having my Angelou on there. So it kind of, and it, it brings a really good close. I know it's not the last album, I mean the last song on the album, but it does bring a good close to the story that he's trying to tell. Cause it's like, okay, it sounds cool. It looks good, but this is what happened. No, you're right. I, um, Cause that's that's the point. Is it's not the last song on the album. Like he kind of has to get to the inanity of the situation, right? Like he, cause I'm, I'm I mean I'm, I've I've been trying to I guess figure out what the moral of the of the album is, what the moral of the story is. Cause it's kind of convoluted in that the what well, I, I guess like the the lust of even a teenager can like be problematic and then the pride of even a young man can get another young man killed. But it's those two things put together. And it's almost like the story is almost too grown for for it to be for it to be happening to a it's teenager. Also the point yeah. too, is that like he had like the the notion that this sixteen year old was going to fuck on his girlfriend or this girl he wanted to be his girlfriend. Ended up getting stuck up by the niggas on her block. And then had to like go get his niggas to get retaliation. And it ended in one of them getting killed. They were 16 years old. Yeah, like, and so I think that's why it's a good combination of the album because, like, say you see a story, you see a story about that on the news. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, this 16-year-old kid, they was robbing this person at their house and they got shot by the owner and killed. And so you only hear that narrative from the owner. Like, oh yeah, I would have popped his ass too. You know, they robbing for me, this my property, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, these kids were only 15, 16 years old. They didn't know any better. You know what I'm saying? This is all they were exposed to growing up, black boy in the ghetto. Riding around with their friends and it turned fatal. Mm-hmm. Or you, like you said, you going to mess with this girl, her brothers uh, stick you up and you got to retaliate. So you're saying that this life is better than that life. So we, we have the power to take your life. You don't have that power at 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. But it's a tragedy because you do, and you know what I'm saying? Somebody got killed. So now you feel like you got to go kill somebody else. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I think it's a really thoughts-provoking song for an album, and especially because you get the whole full story throughout the album. So it's not like you just hearing this one track. You get the whole story, him with his friends, him going with the girlfriend, them riding around the city, doing, you know, dumb shit, and this is what happened. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really harrowing idea that, like, a 16-year-old has to live a life this hard. He, like, because he, he's essentially a grown... Like, he... I mean, he's not a grown... Like, but that's the dichotomy of it, right? It's like, he wants to be a grown-up so bad, but he had to take his mama's van to, to go to even get to <laughs> Right. So he's making grown man decisions, but he's a kid. I mean... And I think that plays into the point, too. Like, to the world, a 15 or 16-year-old black boy is a black man. Mm-hmm. He's grown. Mm-hmm. But he is not. Like you said, he had to take his mama car to go over there. Um, you know, he's still living at home. His mom talked about you got to go to school so you can pass in the next grade. Mm-hmm. You know you what pay, I'm saying? You gotta, so you gotta, you gotta, you, you're not even close to graduating. Right. But you on track to graduate. Your mom is encouraging you. So you a kid. And I love that about the album because 
like I said, it provides his, his family's perspective. So then when you're thinking about when you hear a story in the news, oh, a 16-year-old black boy got killed today, or a black male got killed today, you're not thinking about his mama. You think, oh, this nigga must have did some dumb shit. But it's like, no, his mama was doing the right thing. Do you know what I'm saying? He had a stable two-parent household. He had siblings. And this is still what can happen because this is the life that we live. So I think it's interesting because it comes off as a grown man telling a story, but it's not. It's a teenager telling mm-hmm, a story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's, that's how the world views young black men or young black boys as being, you know what I'm saying? If you talk to a six-year-old girl, you're going to call her a girl. But if you talk to a black boy, oh, all of a sudden he a grown man? No, he's not. He go to school just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, so uh, I, did you have any particular weaknesses you wanted to point out? Or are you... Dr. Dre, rapping <laughs> like you don't have to rap on everything, bro. It's okay. You produce the track, cool, whatever. I don't know. But I, you know, Kendrick wrote the verses, right? Like he know he didn't write them. I hate that. I used to hate it when he would do it with Eminem. Like you don't have to be on the song. But again, Kendrick wanted him on the song. It's less about like Dre being like, let like I need you. Like, I need to be on this song, and Kendrick being like, that, I guess that's how always how I envision it. Like. Dre is like, let me drive the boat. And it's like, you don't always have to drive the boat. We clearly know you are driving the boat. You are Dr. Dre. You don't have to be on the track. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I agree, like, in theory. But I'm also certain that, like, Kendrick was like, you know what would be the cherry on top of this album? If Dr. Dre was on the was on the last song. And then he wrote him a verse. And he put him on the last song. And I like Compton. Like, so um, I want to talk about the recipe. Because that's my favorite song on here. Even though it's not an official song or album. But... That was kind of the song where I position of controlling anything I buy that ocean. I'm a boss, I buy that ocean. Ain't nobody fucking with this. They want that shit. They all 15. I give it to them, but in between. My time, I gotta tie shoe strings. Life's a trip when you want these things. I often slip and then I lean to a three double use a life. You know, blow job. Cause I mean, again, it's apparent when like Dre's versus a ghost written a parent who's writing them. Whether whether not whether or not it's Packer Kendrick nowadays, but the recipe was so cold because Dre was going bar for bar with this nigga, and I was like, "You can't rap." So like the fact so that he Kendrick really got you in position clearly to wrote like these beats, little, or Jay Rock or somebody it? wrote these beats for this uh, these bars for this track. I mean, it's cool. I do like the recipe. I think it's a good song. I don't know. I'm not gonna hate. So okay. um. How ambiguous was the album among your friend group slash people whose music opinions you value? Uh, it was very obviously the only thing that we listened to. Um, time capsule or could this album still be made in 2019? I love that question because yes, it could still be made in 2019. Still relevant. That's why it is one of the best albums of the last years because it could be made. He could release this album today and it will be hot. I think it will be received just the way that it was when it first came out. Yeah, that, that is a sort of underrated aspect. That's kind of I thought about that question too because I was like, and I, I don't think it should disqualify it from being anybody's favorite or um, anybody's opinion for the best album of the decade. But I do think it speaks to a level of relevancy that you can, like you said, that it's still pertinent. Like all, like all those things are still happening in our community and communities like his today. Yep. They're still 16-year-old boys doing a knocky with shit with their friends, like riding around, rapping the, free, rapping the instrumentals, and then getting yep. into some bullshit they probably shouldn't get into. Yeah, it's 100% still relevant. Um, the production, the bars, everything is still, I mean, 
It came out only seven years ago, but I definitely think it has withstood the test of time for sure. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm saying like, and I, I guess that's that's what I really appreciate about Kendrick is, um, I feel like I've said that a few times, but it's it's so I mean I, I've I've watched his interview, I've watched a few of his interviews, and he. I mean, basic has a negative connotation, but he's just a very like regular nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like, he yep. his his level of intelligence is almost, um, is almost like taken for granted by how he carries himself. I say that specifically about this album because, again, like this is this is an album about like a kid's afternoon. Yep, but it's so much deeper than that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess is what I mean about like. Him being able to 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 take something that seems sort of like basic and make it way deeper, and not even make it way deeper. I guess it's just like the Black American experience is that like something that's supposed to be not so hard ends up becoming hard. But yeah, like that's that's just always stuck with me is the idea that like this is a, this is this is the story of like a, a high school sophomore's afternoon out with his friends, and this and it ended in in. With his homie getting killed, but then the op- then the optimism of real him fi- him giving his life over to God and realizing that right. like, he doesn't have to like signify or perpetrate to be who he is to 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 reach who he wants to be, oh, yeah. and then the voicemail. Look, I ain't tripping. Look, the neighbor said they sent you and your little friends over there about food for less. And Top Dog called the house too. I guess he wants you and David to come to the studio. But look, if you take that music business serious, yeah, put out something for me and your dad to step to. But shit, you know we're from Chicago. You know that's what we do. Uh, I mean, his parents are clearly emotional about how everything's going down, but at the end of all the bullshit that happened, Top Dog want him to come to the studio. Right, exactly. So this I mean, is, like, like the light at the end of the tunnel. If you can just like survive, like it, it's yeah, it's, it's project. Easy. This is where you projected to go. So yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, we we are in the same friend group, so we were all definitely listening to to it pretty nonstop, and it's definitely still pertinent today. Um, so I'm mean, are you still listening to it regularly? Um, yeah, definitely part of my regular rotation. Mm-hmm. You do you foresee yourself still listening to it in another ten years? Definitely, especially as he puts out more music. That's how, like, for me, once, like, Schoolboy Q put out his, uh, released his latest album. So that automatically takes me back to all his other work. So, whereas I still listen to it, I mean, I'm still listening to it, like, in a shuffle or on a playlist or something like that, but then when somebody releases the album and you just play that artist, you'd be like, wow. It brings back all the feeling tones and nostalgia of when you were listening to it regularly or if that was all you were listening to. So if he continues to put out music, and definitely. So I I I was read the whole question, but it's really a long winded way of asking, does favorite mean best for you? But artists love claiming growth on their future projects. Um, is this the is this Kendrick's best project in your opinion, or has there been some discernible positive growth in his music? Both to not answer your question. No, that's a that's a valid answer. <laughs> that's a very valid answer. Uh, yeah, he has clearly grown just as a person. So, I mean, you grow as a person. I feel like your music should reflect that. If it doesn't, then that's kind of weird. Um, so, yeah, his music has definitely grown. I can't say it for the better because I love Good Kid, Mad City. So it's like on the same 
kill, but it's just growth. Mm-hmm. He's matured. He talks about different things. He talks about different things. He's becoming a man. This album is about him being a teenager. So you see growth in that way, but the music is still consistent. I can agree with that. I um, So I personally think this is, so not including Section 80 and Untitled Unmastered. I think this would be third of the three for me. And again, like, I feel like to say that is to be like, I don't like it. And that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, see, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, there is no ranking. There's no true ranking. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, just, just, ba- I mean, that's the thing is like, so, so, cause my favorite album of the three is the pimp butterfly. I, and I'm, I, I understand. I, I, I'm sure some people will hear this and be like, didn't you find the second half of good kid, Matt city too depressing and to pimp butterfly is your favorite of the three. Um, I guess I just appreciate the fact that it's like consistently dour the entire time, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I guess I guess like the like you said the the idea that I guess like to to pimp a butterfly is a little more relatable in the sort of how you deal with success aspect of it. Right. The idea that um, you have a you have a responsibility to your community. But what is the extent of that responsibility? You know what I mean? Like the idea that you can you can make it, but then once you make it, are you supposed to take care of everybody? I think like um I actually wanted to talk to you about this, but I I'm we need to stop doing two man podcasts. Um like the whole billionaire conversation, right? Like the I feel like a lot of people were taking it personal that we were criticizing what amounts to wealth hoarding because they also want to be wealth hoarders. And once you like turn that mirror on to somebody else and they're like, Hey, like you shouldn't want that much money because you can never spend that much money. I feel like their retort to that is, but I'm saving my family, which is, which is a level That's of valid. Like, I mean, but my whole thing about the billionaire thing, like barring all that, you are stepping on next in order to get this amount of money, period. Dot com, that's the end. You are no, that's, that's true, but that's at what point are you responsible wrong. for? I, I think that's the like that's the question that people are asking is at what point am I responsible for everybody else? You are not responsible for everybody else. You are responsible for what you do. So if you are intentionally or directly or indirectly stepping on people to get your money, then you are doing something wrong. But, but that's, but that's generally capitalism. What's through some cons- like Technically, I am taking business from somebody else who could probably make a little bit more money off of a cover letter or a resume firm because I'm cheaper. I'm technically, like, I mean, it's all the same. And that's why I kind of get, like, the idea of that's the problem with capitalism, though, because no, it is the idea of the invisible hand is bullshit. One hundred percent. That's uh, but what that, that is. Again, that's like, the that's invisible a, that's hand. The problem with capitalism. Is I, I don't pushing think, this yet. So I don't know if I would like really wrap that back around. But I mean, I I I, I definitely think that's a um that that, that to, to me that's the the hardest part about the pepper butterfly is definitely his his struggles with like wanting to be present because i mean he i think he i mean if i remember correctly i listened to pimple butterfly in preparation for this but he definitely goes from wanting to help the homies out to being like you niggas are never gonna change to be to then being like it's not on them to change like it's 
Um, yeah, so he, I do like Kill Butterfly. It was when I remember it now. That is an album that I definitely remember when it first came out. I didn't hesitate on that when I listened to it, like right as soon as it came out. And um, yeah, it was just he deals with so much from the time that Good Kid, Mad, Good Kid, Mad City comes out to the time that Kill Butterfly comes out. The expectations of the next album, him being an alcoholic and dealing with his, you know, personal, his religious beliefs as far as, you know, this shit really, this Hollywood shit really is the devil, like they said. And, like, mm-hmm. the bad dealing with his homies, you know, like, he thinks they never change, but how could they? They niggas from the hood. Right. They went, no, this was not for them. This, I mean, you know, I mean, what, what, what's the line on um, institutionalized where uh, he, his homie said, um, 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 the fuck I'm supposed. What the fuck am I supposed to do when I'm looking at walking licks? It's like, yeah, I, I feel that. I feel like that. I As a nigga who who yeah. ain't a robber, I feel that. It's like, you y'all got it. Y'all even gonna miss it if I take it. Like, what do you mean? Exactly, exactly. Because y'all don't know how to handle. It was never meant for you. As a young black man, mm-hmm. and I got it. Now you niggas feel like, oh yeah, I'm looking at walking licks now. Like you still in the hood. Um, final thoughts. Anything you wanna say about? The album we were actually talking about to start. Good Kid, Mad City is the best album of the last ten years. There you have it, Carmen. Thank you. Oh, of course. Right, thanks one more time to Rihanna. Be on the lookout for news from West Houston Consulting next week. New essays on the website next week. Part two of the albums of the decade series comes next week. Uh, what else we doing? Uh, check out the the photography on the website. Check out the photography on the Instagrams. Uh, you have to check out everything, man. We here, we moving, we we doing stuff this summer. I promise. Uh, appreciate the support. See y'all next week. Bye. Ill education, baby.